people are professional promise makers. We make hundreds of promises, but only keep a handful. During your next birthday, I want you to look closely at the gift table. You probably won't see it, but it is there. With every birthday comes just a little gift bag full of skepticism. <laughs> As we get older, we become more skeptical. We are a little jaded when someone makes a promise. Maybe you're a parent. And maybe you've seen your little one's puppy dog eyes when they pleaded, please, if you let us have a puppy, we promise we will walk him and feed him and take him out and give him a bath. But truth is, without your help, that poor pup hasn't seen water in his bowl or in a bath in two weeks. Promises. As parents, we promise our children, this medicine tastes good. It tastes like bubblegum. I promise. And we are the parents. We tell the truth. And our trusting little one opens wide and gulps down another tablespoon of bubblegum flavored medicine and heads off to bed, disappointed and just a touch more skeptical. Men and women stand love-struck at the altar and make promises to one another to love, honor, and cherish one another, a promise they fully intend to keep. But as the bills pile higher and life gets tougher, many times bride and grooms forget to love, honor, and cherish each other. Promises. More promises fly during campaign season than pollen flies during allergy season. Politicians use stumps and social media to make enough promises to fill up the RV that pulls them from stop to stop. But many times they only keep a handful of those promises. As we see the campaign signs sprout up in lawns in our neighborhood, we prepare for yet another barrage of promises. Naivete is a casualty of too many promises made that were never kept. And as we grow up, we grow to realize a promise made is not always a promise kept. People do not always keep their promises. But what about God? The scripture says God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. And according to 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, and I quote this often in my prayer, there is not failed one word of all of his good promise. We can rest assured when God makes a promise, he will make good on his promise. Just ask our friend Abram. His story begins in Genesis 12, and I will share it with you right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. A jolly good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope you're having a wonderful January, and you are listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life companion podcast, which goes right along with the student guide. If you happen to have one of those, we're looking today at the the lesson entitled Receiving the Promise, dated January 9th, 2022. If you have your student guide, please turn there. If you don't, just feel free to listen. Or if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there to the very first book of the Bible. I won't even make you work that much today. Genesis chapter 12, reading verses 1 through 3. And if you are driving along in your automobile for your safety and security and the safety and security of the traveling public, I will not ask you to look at anything. Just listen to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee. 
and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now, Abram's day began just like any other day. Abram woke up, slipped on his robe and slippers, and opened the tent flap with a cup of Canaan's coffee in his hand. Maybe today he would till the ground or mend the fence. He certainly needed to shore up the boards in the barn before the storm came. He and his sweetheart Sarai had been living on the family's farm for a while, and home was starting to feel a little more like home. During that day, Abram heard a voice speaking to him, much deeper than Sarai's. He looked around. Nobody else seemed to hear it. Nobody else seemed to be speaking. It sounded like it was coming from above, but nobody was in the barn loft. Who was speaking to him? He heard the voice again. This time it was unmistakable. It was coming from above. It was coming from God. God spoke to Abram and told him to leave home, leave his country, his father's house, his farm, and start walking where God was leading. God did not give him turn-by-turn directions. God asked Abram to trust that he would show him where to walk. Now let me ask you this question. How are you with directions? Are you one of those who rely on GPS much of the time, or are you just innately good with directions? I can, I can tell you, I got my sweetheart lost for 19 hours out of our way on our honeymoon. So let's just suffice it to say, I'm not amazing with directions, and that's a story for another time. <laughs> God's first command came coupled with God's first promise to Abram, I will make you a great nation. That must have been music to Abram's ears. Abram was just one man, but God was going to multiply his influence to make him a great nation. It's one thing to be the mayor of a city or the governor of a state or a province, but to be the figurehead of a nation, a great nation? What a high and holy honor. No doubt in Abram's mind, this would take a sovereign act of God. But God wasn't finished loading up the gift table with promises. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Where is all this coming from? Why all these promises coming Abram's way? God was looking for a man he could bless to bless others. So he chose Abram. God's plan from the beginning was to bless Abram. So God could bless others through Abram. Which teaches us God's blessings are not only for us. They're for everyone. When God blesses us in a service, it's not only for us to enjoy exuberant worship, it's for others to be blessed as well. God fills us up with his spirit so he can pour us into others and give them a taste of what it's like to live as a spirit-filled, spirit-led child of God. It would have been wrong for Abram to hoard all God's blessings for himself and not share them with the world. It would be wrong for us. Maybe God gave you that great paying job, not just to have five bedrooms and four bathrooms with a three-car garage but because he wants you to help support missionaries. God wants to use us to bless others. We need to keep our ears open to hear God's voice, our hands open to receive God's blessings, and our hearts open to share God's goodness. When was the last time you heard God ask you to share his blessings to bless somebody else? That's a story you need to share with someone. While Abram packed his things as quickly as he could, Sarai walked into the tent to find her husband, who should have been patching up the barn, packing up his bags. And she asked, Um, hon, what are you doing? Up until this point, it doesn't appear God had spoken to Sarai like he spoke to Abram. That must have been an interesting conversation. 
<laughs> Abram said, oh, oh, Sarai, we're, we're leaving, we're moving. Here, give me a hand wrapping up these dishes. And Sarai looked puzzled. Where are we going? I thought you liked it here. Abram could hardly contain himself. Oh, I too, but God spoke to me and told me to leave my country and my father's house and start walking. He'll, he'll tell us where to walk. Sarai, he's going to make me a great nation. Sweetheart, he's going to bless me and he's going to make my name great. Can you believe it? People are going to know my name. He's going to bless me and all the families of the earth through me. Now, how do you persuade your wife that this is a good idea? Yeah, sure. Let's leave everything familiar and comfortable. Let's start walking, not knowing where we're going, just because we believe that God spoke to me. That's a hard sell. But Abram believed it, and so did Sarai. Now, Abram fully trusted God. He did not fully obey God. There is a difference. God's command was clear, leave your father's house, leave your father's family. But Abram had a nephew he wanted to bring along, so he did. He brought his nephew Lot. And not long into their walk, Abram's herds and herdsmen grew, and so did Lot's. And the herdsmen feuded with each other. So Abram suggested they split up. He even gave his nephew first choice of the land. Lot chose the well-watered plain of Jordan. Lush green grass, crisp, cool water. So Abram lived in the land of Canaan. However, Genesis records the first red flag. Lot may have become a liability to Abram's walk of faith. When scripture reads, Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Genesis 13, verse 12. Eventually, Lot moved his family into Sodom. And soon Lot heard the savage sounds of war. Kings from other nations joined together to fight the kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, and a couple of others. The kings of Sodom and Gomorrah could not hold off the others, and they fled for the mountains. Lot was caught in the crossfire, captured as a prisoner of war. But Abram heard. He heard his nephew was captured. He marshaled an army, and he rescued Lot. But Lot did not learn his lesson. The next time we read about him, he was living in sinful Sodom again. He might have even been a leader there, based on Genesis 19, verse 1. But God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness, and he sent two angels to rescue Lot for Abram's sake. Lot and his daughters escaped with only their lives before God rained fire and brimstone on those sinful sister cities. And this is the last we hear of Lot. Abram continued walking, his walk of faith without Lot or his herdsmen. Have you ever thought about why Abraham or Abram brought along his nephew Lot? God told him to leave his father, his father's family, his father's house, but he brought along his father and he brought along his nephew. If you were Abram, what would you have done about Lot? Now, one thing to know about God is he does not grade obedience on a curve. Partial obedience is still disobedience. God is not impressed when we are 99% obedient. Disobedience is costly. God kept all the promises he made to Abraham, but Abraham ended up fighting battles he was not supposed to fight. He fought with a sword once and fought in prayer the other time just to save Lot's life. God knew Lot would not be like Abram. And if Abram obeyed God fully, he would have avoided some unnecessary battles and heartaches. Chances are you could tell the same story. That is why we must obey God completely. Scripture is brimful of eulogies of men and women who obeyed God partially and paid a high price because they ended up fighting battles they were not supposed to fight. God isn't erratic. He doesn't bark orders just to watch us sweat. He is a good father. Chris Tomlin would say he's a good, good father. 
And as a good father, he knows what's best for us because only he knows what's ahead of us. When God speaks to you the next time, obey him completely. He speaks to us through his word, through the preacher, through a song, through our prayer time. God is speaking. He just calls for people to listen and to obey. Well, God spoke again and reminded Abraham of the promise he made to him 24 years earlier. And this time, God gave Abraham a gift. Long before sonograms or ultrasounds, God told Abraham they would have a son and even told him when. And before they knew it, Sarah was starting to show. Abram went to work on his diaper-changing techniques. Sarah sewed another blue blanket to replace the one they lost years earlier. Just as God promised and when God promised, Abraham and Sarah found themselves sitting in their tent, holding their baby boy they named Isaac. They received God's promise by faith because our faithful God keeps his promises. What must that have felt like for Abraham and Sarah after waiting 25 years for God to perform on his promise? What must it have felt like to hold that promise in their arms? And why do you think God waited so long? 25 years, that's a long time. But God came through. It's a tricky tightrope, this thing called faith. We can fall off the tightrope on two sides. Sometimes people confuse laziness with faith. God makes them a promise, and they do nothing, thinking God will do everything. They call it waiting on God, but God is waiting on them to do what they can until he will do what they can't. If God promised he's going to save your family, don't just wait for him to do what only he can do. Start praying for them. Share your testimony of God's goodness with them, and then watch him do what you cannot. But Abraham did not have this problem. He fell off the tightrope on the other side. He tried to speed God along. Have you ever done that? Eleven years after God first spoke to him, Abram felt like he had waited long enough. Eleven years, he waited a decade plus one. So he sired a son through his wife's servant, Hagar. But that wasn't God's plan. As far as Abram knew, he and Sarai were supposed to have a bouncing baby boy, but he stepped off the tightrope of faith and had a son with another woman. Ishmael was his name, and he's the father of the Arab nations. Isaac is the father of the Jewish nations. Because of Abraham's disobedience, both families are still feuding 4,000 years later. Abraham, we have to give him a little bit of mercy. He did not have the benefit of the Bible, but we do. We have the highlight reel of God's faithfulness and power. We see our God opens seas and shuts lions' mouths. He dances in fire. He touches lepers. He heals the sick. He forgives sinners. He makes the lame walk. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the question God asked Abraham. It's the question he still asks us. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, how can we take an honest inventory and realize if God is waiting on us to do what we can, or if God is testing us to see if we will trust him? And which is easier? Is it easier to wait on God or to take things into our own hands? But which way is more blessed? Just give you a hint. Waiting on God. All right, let's wrap this up. Genesis chapter 12. God told Abram, leave it all. Native country, relatives, fathers, family, and just start walking. You do, I'll bless you, make you a great nation. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. All families on the earth will be blessed through you. But 25 years later, Abraham was still holding on to the promise God made him a quarter of a century earlier. 
Nine chapters fill the space between the time God made his promise and the time he performed it. But just as sure as God kept the promise he made to Abram by faith, God will keep all the promises he makes to us. If God has made you a promise, you can still trust him. He will keep his promise. If you're waiting for God to apologize or explain to you why you're still waiting, you're waiting for the wrong thing. There has never failed one word of all of his good promise, and you will not be the first failed promise of God. We need to remember that probing question God asked Abraham and answer it for ourselves. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Maybe some of you are listening to monitors and machines, or you're pouring over piles of bills at home, or you're sitting on the front row at a funeral. In those times, we can remember the promise of God, and we can ask out loud, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And we will find out what Abraham found out. Every word God has promised, he will perform. Just trust him. Now let's pray right now that the Lord would help you to have faith, to trust him, to do what you can do in case God has made you a promise and he's waiting on you, but then also to give you the faith and the trust to wait on God to only do what he can do so you'll see his hand at work. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every promise you've ever made to us. Thank you for every word you've ever spoken to us. Thank you, God, for every guarantee. You have never failed, never lied, never will. I thank you for that, God. You are trustworthy. You are faithful. Help every one of those listening to this podcast to trust you, to believe you. If you're waiting on us, let us know what you want us to do, and we'll do it. And we certainly will not speed you along, hurry you along. You are God, not us. So I do pray today you would help us to trust you, wait on you, and believe you to promise or to perform every word you've promised. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hey, thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I pray this has been a blessing to you. If it has been, please share it with somebody. Let them know about God's Word for Life. Also, click subscribe. That way you don't miss anything from our God's Word for Life episodes. You'll know every time a new episode drops. And you'll be able to go to PentecostalPublishing.com and you'll get all kinds of great resources for PentecostalPublishing.com that help you in your walk with God, your devotion. If you're trying to disciple somebody and share your faith with them, There'll be great resources there to help you along with that as well. So please go to PentecostalPublishing.com. Don't forget, PentecostalPublishing.com. Once again, that website is PentecostalPublishing.com, and you'll find some great resources there. Next week, I want to share with you a lesson that is dated January 16th, 2022, and it is entitled, Cherish God's Blessings. And it continues the story of Genesis. We'll pick up in Genesis chapter 25 with the story of Jacob and Esau. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, Visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.